Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voison, the host of Inside Personal Growth. And I want to thank all of my listeners who have helped to make this podcast um, so successful. And um, today joining me from Los Angeles is Malika Chopra, uh, the daughter of Deepak Chopra. And the book we're going to be discussing is Living with Intent, um, My Somewhat Messy Journey to Purpose, Peace, and Joy. Good day to you, Malika. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much. Well, I enjoy having you on the show, and I'm going to let my listeners know a tad bit about you. They might know a lot about your dad, but maybe they need to learn a little bit more about you. She's a successful author of two previous gift books for parents, 100 Promises to My Baby and 100 Questions to My Child. She's a busy mom of two, successful entrepreneur and founder and CEO of Intent.com and Intent Blog, social media site, and its sister blog. Uh, Malika enjoys speaking to audiences around the world at venues like TEDx, IDSC, and California Women's Conference and Prevention R3 Summit. She has degrees from Brown University and the Kellogg School of Management. Well, Malika, thanks for taking the time from your busy day. I know you've got children. You've got a lot of things to juggle. And that is kind of what this book is about. In the introduction of the book, you kind of paint a picture of yourself, someone who is feeling a little guilty for the way they're (laughs) unable to accomplish things in their life. Um, Why do you believe that as human souls on this journey, we beat ourselves up for not being enough? Yeah, you know, I think it's something that as I talk to so many of my other, whether it's fellow moms or dads or people who are balancing taking care of whether it's their parents or friends or being involved in their community and work, um, you know, our culture right now, we are all trying to do so many things. Um, We're all, you know, always connected on some device or some social media platform. And I think... I have definitely felt overwhelmed at times, um, often guilty that I'm not doing enough at work or I'm guilty that I'm not at school with my kids. And um, I find I found that I was getting consumed um, by just not feeling like I'm doing enough. Um, and so part of this book and this journey was really kind of reflecting not only on that, but then really engaging in practices many of which I had grown up with, um, so kind of remembering those um, to find more balance in my life and also more purpose because I felt often at the end of the day, you know, I had a busy day and yet I didn't even know what I had done. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true. I mean, a lot of people, the executives and busy people, they're they're addicted to wins. You know, they make a lot of wins. And I just did an interview with Marshall Goldsmith here, one of the top coaches. And basically, you know, the reality is that is part of the problem as well, because we get so addicted to winning, we want to win more and more and more and more, and that it can it possess our life. Now, you mentioned at a very young age, uh, through your father and your grandfather, that you lost, that you were taught to set intentions, to ask daily for the qualities that you wanted in your life. What do you feel that people? What do you feel that people will get out of the good habits of creating clear intentions? Yeah, so when we were young, um, after meditation, my father would guide my brother and I to say the following phrase. It's from The Course in Miracles, and it goes like this. I am responsible for what I see. I choose the feelings I experience and set the goals I will achieve. 
And everything that seems to happen to me, I ask for and receive as I have asked. And so my father would ask us, um, what do you ask for? And as kids, uh, we would say tickets to the Celtics, a trip to Hawaii. There were many, many things we wanted to ask for. And um, my dad would listen patiently, and then he would guide us into saying, okay, well, what about asking for love, connection, purpose, inspiration, um, and hope? So we were taught on a daily basis to ask for the qualities in our life that would make our life richer and more fulfilled. So when I talk about intense, um, it's not kind of setting goals. Uh, it's not mind. Uh, you know, I, goals often come from the mind, um, but really focusing on the qualities in life, really kind of going to that place, silent place, asking ourselves at a soulful level, um, who am I, what do I want, and how can I serve? So I think um, when people... Uh, I think everyone can benefit from asking ourselves very honestly, what are the qualities in our life that will make us happier, um, healthier, more connected, and more purposeful? And that's what I mean by intent, setting intents. So now you define intent in the book as an expression of who we aspire to be as individuals, as you said, physically, emotionally, spiritually, as members of our families and our communities. And you've created this acronym around the word intent. You, you even say, I liked acronyms because it's mm-hmm. a great way for us to remember it. Let's talk about this word intent, uh, incubate, notice, trust, express, nurture, and take action. Um, obviously, this is your, uh, your uh, acronym for letting our listeners and our readers remember what intent stands for. Give us kind of an overview of that, if you would, please, because at the end of each chapter, you give questions and uh, kind of exercises for people to work on, and it's usually around your acronym. Yep. Thank you. Um, So, you know, I spent many years, you know, Intent has been part of my life. I have a company um, around Intent as well, a website and an app. Um, And so it really, you know, this kind of evolved, uh, this acronym over years. And I wanted to use an acronym because I've learned that that helps people remember. Um, So I use the words I-N-T-E-N-T. As you said, I is for incubate. And incubate for me really meant... um, Going back to a place of silence, you know, I learned how to meditate when I was nine. Um, I'm the first one to admit that I'm not a regular meditator, actually. Um, And so part of this practice for me and this journey was recommitting to my meditation practice, um, going back to that place of silence um, and stillness and asking myself at a soulful level, um, who am I and what do I want? Um, And also then how can I serve? So for me, Incubate really incorporates kind of that honest Um, asking ourselves from an authentic place, um, you know, what we aspire to be. N is for notice, and I noticed that my internal dialogue was full of words like, I'm busy, I'm overwhelmed, I'm tired, and I was reminded again that when I was young, you know, my dad used to make my brother and I do certain exercises like go through a day without criticizing, condemning, and complaining, and the effect that our internal dialogue has on our everyday life. 
Um, so, you know, that the noticing the internal dialogue, noticing um, the messages my body was sending me because, you know, I'm addicted to sugar and caffeine and I use that as the fuel to get through the day, but also wasn't really feeling great, um, having a lot of body pain, um, highs and lows in terms of energy. So noticing uh, those effects and also noticing the people, places and circumstances that we're faced with every day, which kind of provide opportunity for growth um, and living, you know, that intentful journey. Um, key is for trust, trusting intuition, um, trusting that the universe will help take care of the details. Um, and so trust was an important part for me to kind of trust myself again, um, because often our ego uh, is telling us to do certain things, but if we really listen to what's going to give us happiness and joy, um, that may be something different than we're doing right now. Um, e is for express, and um, I believe in this so strongly. I have an entire website and company around it where I believe we need to um, express our intents, take ownership of them, and once we kind of go through the ritual of expressing them, we begin the mechanics of their fulfillment. So everyone doesn't have to go on a website or an app to express their intent, but expressing it to yourself um, and taking ownership. The next stand is for nurture, and nurture, to me, a reminder that I can't take care of everyone else if I don't take care of myself. Um, nurture also meant, you know, letting go of a lot of the guilt and the self-criticism, um, and also nurturing relationships because life, um, you know, blossoms when we have other people in our life, um, when we're supporting others and um, asking for support. So nurture was a very important aspect. And then the final T is about take action. Um, I think for many of us who also are in this kind of self-help world, sometimes we kind of justify that if we set the intent or we say what we want, um, it will happen. But I strongly believe there's a time for smart goals um, and taking action. But when we do all the other work, taking action becomes so much more effortless and fun. Yeah, most definitely, because that is part of it. Once you've set these intentions and you've let the laws of the universe take effect, obviously the outcomes uh, are much more desirable and obviously taking action on them becomes easier. And it is important not to get attached to those outcomes. And I'm going to ask you this question. You have a great story in the book about your kids waking you up on your birthday and they bring you in um, breakfast and they sing a happy birthday song. And you mentioned how important your meditation practice is kind of in your second kind of breath there of that statement. And that's been all about your life. Why do you think that for my listeners, a daily regimen of meditation, no matter how long it is, five minutes, three minutes, 10, 20 minutes, whatever they choose to do, is important um, in helping not only set their intentions, but keep their intentions, and then listening to that higher spirit on a regular basis and following that guidance, because there is a there is an issue there you discuss about discernment as well. Yeah, so you know, I learned how to meditate when I was nine, um, so I've actually been a lifelong meditator. Um, that being said, you know, I probably, like many others, um, have been irregular in my practice. You know, sometimes I meditate twice a day, other times once, then I'll go months, honestly, um, where I'm just, I feel like I'm too busy to find the time to meditate. And yet when I return to my practice, um, it's like everything else falls into place so much easier. Um, and I think that when we, whether, like you said, whether it's five minutes or 20 minutes, um, just 
that practice of reconnecting to our authentic self, um, to that place where it's kind of beyond the task list or beyond kind of all the ego identity. When we meditate, we really connect, um, you know, to our soul. Um, and when we connect to that place and, again, ask ourselves an answer from a really honest place about who am I and what do I want, um, then, you know, we're really kind of more aligned with our values and our true purpose. So I believe that I'm a big advocate of meditation, um, and I do think that um, aside from so many of the other health benefits, um, it really helps to anchor ourselves spiritually to live on that kind of path that's true for us. Now, one of the things you talk about, Malika, is the monkey mind. You talk about it in the book, and it obviously in, in most meditation books, practices, they bring this up, but it's always so important. What advice do you have for the listeners who might having some challenges with these runaway thoughts? Because it, it's usually what happens. You sit down for meditation, and one thought comes in, another thought comes in. Do you have any simple um, ideas or thoughts for our listeners about you know, how to release those thoughts quickly so they can get to that um, more, how do you want to call it, melodic state in, con in conjunction with their soul? So I am, and especially when I teach, um, I'm a big believer that um, the benefits of meditation come outside of our meditation. And every meditation that we have is what we're meant to experience at that moment. Um, and so, you know, I definitely have meditations where I will sit for the whole uh, 20 minutes and my mind is racing from one thought to the other. And then in my practice, I just come back to the mantra. But I let go of the guilt or the trying to, like, create an experience and rather um, kind of accept that what's happening right now is what's meant to happen. Um, and so even if I spend 20 minutes... Um, and my mind is wandering like crazy. Whenever I notice that, I go back to my practice, but sometimes it is. And you know what? That's okay because that's what my mind um, needs at this point to kind of release those thoughts and that stress. So I try um, to encourage people not to be judgmental about their meditations, but to trust in the practice um, and the practice that they choose. And, you know, with practice, and I'm one of those people I've been meditating over 30 years, is, you know, I have some meditations where, you know, I kind of transcend immediately and the time flies by and then other times when it feels like excruciatingly long. Um, and, I, you know, but I, I think in staying committed to the practice itself and also accepting that what's happening today is what my mind and my body need right now, um, I can let go of some of the kind of anticipation as well. Yeah, you know, it's it's about every day we have events in our lives and as a result we have an experience and it's really about not resisting the experience and understanding that's exactly what we needed. So whether the event is, uh, is something happening at school for one of the kids or it's uh, another thing that happens to us during the day, um, we're meant to have that and we need to understand that the key is not to resist it. Now you, you cite a book of uh, Dr. Dan Siegel um, called Mindsight. And in the book, Dr. Siegel speaks about openness and how it enables us to see things clearly, that, that we can let go of our expectations and receive things as they are, rather than trying to make them how we want them to be. Can you discuss with our listeners the importance of letting go 
and how this relates to us setting those intentions, because those intentions um, might not always come to fruition as we um, see them in our mind's eye. Absolutely. So one, um, for this book, I was really fortunate. Um, I interviewed some incredible teachers and leaders and experts. So Dr. Dan Siegel is one of the smartest people I think I've ever met. Um, and uh, he gave so many insights. I also talked to Marianne Williamson and Eckhart Tolle and Andrew Weil and amazing people. Um, but I think he kind of gave so many insights. I wish I could have I could have written a whole book just with his insights. But one, as you said, of letting go. You know, I think um, often on the journey, we have expectations of how it will manifest itself. Um, and I think one of the lessons I've learned is if I focus more on the qualities in my life rather than those goals and specific goal setting, but if I focus more on the qualities I want to kind of manifest in my life, then opportunities arise that often we just never would have even kind of pursued or explored. Um, but when we're more open to kind of letting the universe take care of the details, um, you know, then we can let go of expectation and the journey kind of becomes um, so much more magical and fun as well. Yeah, and easier to kind of flow with. I mean, it's uh, it's important. I need mean, flow is one of the things that we're trying to get into. And that's one of the spaces, too, as an individual, where we create the greatest amounts of what I want to call creativeness. It's where our creative power is sparked from. Now, gratefulness is a, is a theme in the book as well. And that you say that it's an anecdote to what you call the toxic mindset. Can you speak about setting intentions as it relates to being grateful you know i think when we spend time um being grateful um even our physiology and our body um shifts to a different place um and so the daily practice of gratitude um has just tremendous effect um just not physically but emotionally as well and, you know, I find that whenever I'm getting kind of stressed and overwhelmed and I kind of you make that conscious shift to say, okay, let me more kind of think about what I'm grateful for, um, even all the anxiety and the sense of feeling overwhelmed um, shifts. So um, I was actually with my dad yesterday um, at a talk he was giving and, you know, he even pointed out to people like when you get completely stressed, just take a second and ask who am I stressed for? And um, when it's kind of ego-based, um, you know, that's a very different experience than when we think about other people as well. So I think gratitude helps to take us from the me to the we um, and gives us more clarity and intent intentional um, kind of purpose. Yeah, and I think have going from the me to the we and who are we stressed for are great opportunities for us to relook at stress in our lives and actually um, take the time to understand why we're being stressed. Those behaviors that are constantly coming in that we've set up that are actually creating what I would call not the life we want to live. Now, in your chapter on Express, you speak about the distinction between good and evil or ego-based intentions and it's important to figure out the difference between them. How do you use discernment in realizing the difference between, you know, your good intention and maybe your not-so-good intention? 
Yeah, no, so I mean, I think one of the things that I really got from my children and um, when I kind of talk to kids about intent as well, as I get a lot of questions, well, what about evil intents, you know? Um, and Marianne Williamson talked to me about this as well, is that, um, you know, is intent really kind of a spiritual practice, actually, because Hitler had, you know, very clear intents as well. Um, so it was in a conversation with um, Eckhart Tolle also, who kind of, pointed out to me the difference between egoic intents and non-egoic intents. And, you know, I think sometimes that helps people, kind of us to guide people. Um, you know, are we doing this really from a place of ego um, and um, self-service, which may hurt other people? Or are we really doing this from a place um, where we can serve, where we can love, where we can connect? Um, and so I think that, for me, has been a guiding principle um, to really think about, you know, what is that underlying cause behind this intent? And again, we all do have personal intents and goals, um, which I think is a very good thing um, many times. Um, but, you know, is it really to serve kind of not just ourselves, but perhaps our family, our community or the world in general? Now, I'll kind of wrap up our interview with this. You tell a great story about Ariana Huffington and her personal rejections around her, her book and kind of the failure stories and then finally got funding again. And, you know, and she says that, and she quoted, I think she quoted somebody else, failure is not the opposite of success. Failure is the stepping stone to success. How important is this? Because this is, revolves around support structure. The support structure that we create as we take this journey through life, as you say, this somewhat messy journey to purpose, peace, and joy. Yeah, so Ariana is a great example. I have to say, even for my, like when I was reaching out to people, um, you know, I wanted to talk to Ariana and I didn't hear from her forever. And so it, there was a kind of whole like self-doubt um, process that I went through. And then finally, when I did hear from her, she was so open and um, honest about her journey, um, you know, which, like you said, ha has kind of been a messy one as well, you know, and she um, also, you know, like me, had um, two daughters and, you know, had kind of actually started Huffington Post even later. Um, she shared about, like, getting all the rejections for her book. Um, and so I think for me, it was a reminder. She talked a lot, actually, about her mother. Um, and her mother saying, you know, you just have to get up every time as well. And I often think in my life, I'm like, oh, my God, I haven't really achieved anything. Like, you know, I'm always kind of so many more failures than successes. But she was just such a great reminder that, again, what are we doing it for? Like, and are we serving in a larger capacity? And that may be a bumpy road, both emotionally and even in terms of financially and others, but if we have faith that we're kind of going in the right direction, um, the importance of getting up because we really know that we're serving in an authentic capacity. Well, and serving for the greater good of all, I think is what you're doing, what your father's done, and many of these uh, people that you've interviewed for the book as well. And Malika, I want to thank you for taking the time to um, talk with our listeners and talk with them about living with intent, setting their intentions. I know for me, it's something I do before my feet even hit the carpet uh, when I get out of bed in the morning is to really be grateful set intentions. Um, I think these uh, will definitely direct people to your website. We'll direct them to Amazon for the book. Is there any place in particular you want them to go to learn more about uh, the book 
Um, sure. Yeah, I have a website, malikachopra.com. So uh-huh. um, over there, they can also find their way to intent.com. We have the intent.com app on the iTunes store. And yes, of course, um, I'd, I'd love to hear from people about their reactions to the book and um, just, you know, all share um, our stories as we continue our journey. Well, Malika, thank you for being on Inside Personal Growth and sharing not only your personal story and some of your experiences, but the importance of meditation and setting intent. It's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much.